today on It's Time. When a person is truly spirit-filled, you'll have a love for God, for people, and you'll have a love for the lost. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 John. So turn there in your Bible and join Pastor Mike. To invite you to open them to John, First John, chapter four. We're going to continue with this book we started last week, and uh, how important it is. This is one I think of. After becoming born again, I think this is one of the key things that we as Christians need to get more than anything else. Love God. And love our fellow men. We're going to talk about that this morning, how important it is. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would come now. Teach us, God, by your Holy Spirit. And your Holy Spirit, Jesus, is welcome in this place that you, God, would speak to us through your word. And that, God, that these wouldn't just be ink on paper, but it'd be an actual revelation of who you are so we would know you better in Jesus' name. Amen. We covered the first part of chapter 4 last week, but we're going to look at verse 7 here this morning. And again, I believe this is really extremely important. We're going to go why it is so important as well. We didn't cover that last week in this verse. We read a couple of these verses last week. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now you say, why is that so important? It's because the world does not love you. The world does not love Christ. It does not love you. Not so much you, but what you represent. John firsthand saw the abuse that the world did to Jesus Christ. Not only by the Jews, but by the Romans as well. I think one of the biggest should have been the biggest scandal in all of history, is when Pilate walks out and says, I find no fault in this man, let him be crucified. What an oxymoron. What a lie. He says he's innocent, but go ahead and crucify him. Adolf Hitler was going around saying the Jews killed Christ. Well, poor Adolf didn't really understand real history. Because yes, they put, the, 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 the Jews put the Romans up to it, but the Romans, who by law, finding no fault in him, should have stopped the crucifixion, crucified him as well. Who is guilty for the death of Jesus Christ? All humanity, Jew and Gentile alike. So why does John then focus and say, we need to love one another? Because we need one another. Not only did they see the abuse of Jesus, but they also saw the abuse in the first part of the book of Acts. You've got to remember, John wrote this towards the end part of his life. 
And he was, re- he was reminiscing how important it is that you have a family and you need to be a part of that family to support one another, bless one another. It is so important. Love covers a multitude of sins, the Bible tells us. And when we recognize how important that is, we understand then, he who does not love does not know God For God is love. You can be around a person that claims to be a Christian in five minutes. If they're talking about everybody else, cutting other people down, ridiculing yourself, I know that person doesn't know God. I didn't say it. God's word said it. So that tells me that I need to be aware of how important God values his body. Now, if you rip down God's body... Because you're self-righteous, well, then we have a problem, don't we? Because we're saying, look how good I am that I can judge somebody else. Jesus said, don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye when you've got a beam in your own. Boy, pretty, pretty hard words that Jesus had that fortifies what John is saying here. But notice what he says. In this, the love of God is manifested. In other words, it's make proof that... God manifested his love towards us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And again, that's our sustenance for life. Now in verse eight, it says, God is love. Years ago in the hippie movement, I remember uh, seeing a bumper sticker. It said, love is God. Well, that's not true. Love is an attribute of God, but that's not the only attribute that God has. But a fact is, God is love. He is the source of all love. Worldly love is conditional. God's love is unconditional. While we were yet sinners, the Bible tells us, Christ died for us. In this, the love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son, to be the propitiation for our sins. It's not that we love God, it's that God loved us. God made the first move. He's always the initiator. I like that about God. And God, knowing all the mess-ups that you and me would do in our lives, still chose us to be part of his team. God, knowing that Peter would deny the Lord three times, still chose him to be part of his team. It is interesting to me that Judas, in doing the wicked thing that he did, could have sought Christ for forgiveness, but he didn't do it. You know, I believe, as it says here in 1 John chapter 1, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to own up to what we do. That's what Adam and Eve wouldn't do in the Garden of Eden. Well, God, why'd you eat of the tree, God asked. Well, God, that woman you gave me. You either are responsible or that woman, but you guys duke it out. Let me know how it comes out. (laughs) Well, that's not the way it works. And again, as we study this, we find that God's heart towards mankind is to redeem us. But rather than asking forgiveness, we'll offer excuses. So verse 11, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, it says we ought to. doesn't mean we always do. And I believe that's a sin when we don't do that. I believe that when we find ourselves more focused on tearing an individual down or a person down or God's body down than lifting them up, that says that really that person doesn't know God. Because when you truly know God, you know how much junk God has forgiven you for. 
Well, I'll tell you something. When you start to look at that, that leaves no room for anything that we would try to manufacture in ourselves. Look how good I am that I can go after somebody else. Again, why is this so important? Because God gave each other you for his kingdom in eternity. Not only do we have each other here, but we're going to have each other in heaven someday forever as well. And by the way, in heaven, we'll know each other after the spirit, not after the flesh. That's why some people say, well, I can't stand to be around that person. Why? You know him after the flesh. But when you're in the spirit, you're going to find yourself seeing them the way God sees them in their imperfections and all, yet God still loved them. No one has seen God at any time. Now, this is kind of a weird verse to have wedged in here. But this is why it's here. No one has seen God at any time. The word here for seen is the word gazed intently at. I've had people say, oh, a contradiction in the Bible. No one has seen God at any time. Well, and then you see Moses talking to God on Mount Sinai. Contradiction? No, not at all. The word seen here means to gaze intently at. Does not mean an occasional glance. God has given us a glance of his glory down through the history of ages. But when he says here, and this is kind of, notice the weird placement of this. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and love is perfected in us. The old King James says, is perfected in us. The new King James says, has been perfected in us. The old King James is accurate. It is perfected in us. Why is this verse here? You can't see God, but you can see his family. No, we can't see God, but we can see each other. And that's exactly what he's writing about here. We can't see God, but we can see each other. And we can see the need for him and his family in our life. By this, we know that we abide in him or live in him. And he's in us because he's given us his spirit. By the way, friends, that's the only way you can love one another is by God's spirit. It's a supernatural love. I, people have oftentimes called in on to every man and answer, and they'll ask the question, well, our church teaches, unless you can pray in tongues, you're not filled with the Spirit. I said, well, it's unfortunate that people don't read the Bible more. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says clearly, do all pray in tongues? Do all have the gift of healings? Do all have the interpretation of tongues? Whenever a question is written in the negative, the answer is always no. It's like you looking at your children saying, do you want me to spank you? Oh, yes, very much so. No, the answer is no. They don't want you to spank them. Well, the thing is, what then is the mark of a person that's truly spirit-filled? Or for that matter, even born again? Do you love? And I believe one of the greatest things, and by the way, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this great chapter on love is wedged between the two Books of the Bible that speak the most about the workings of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. But what is that? I believe when a person is truly spirit-filled, you'll have a love for God, you'll have a love for people, and you'll have a love for the lost. You know, evangelism centers with the heart after God. 
you know, when we look and see that even God will use people that are reluctant, that don't even want to do that. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is the greatest evangelist in the world who's been working on people around you every day for years so that you, the body of Christ, can come along and invite them into God's kingdom. He says here, by this we know that we live in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. By the way, God's only Son. He tells us here, and we have known and believe the love of God has for us. God is love, and he who lives in love abides in God and God in him. I love that. It's a settling in your soul. I don't have to go around being angry and hating people anymore. I don't have to go around, call myself a Christian, yet every chance I get to belittle or cut somebody down. Do you think if somebody followed you around all day long, they could find something that they could put on the internet or chew behind your back on you? Well, of course. You cut the person off on the road or, or uh, you know, thought you had. Something you watched on TV you know you shouldn't have been watching. Some place you've gone, people you might have hung out with that you know are not walking with the Lord, but you're not there for evangelism. You're there to be part of what they're doing. Do you think, you think that doesn't happen? Sure. So what does God want us to do? Love one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. And I have found that if you always put down a person rather than speak to them the way you want them to be, they'll never rise to that occasion. Jesus continually spoke to his disciples as he wanted them to be, not for what they were. Hey, they were a bunch of bumbling misfits if you really examine what they were. And how Jesus took that group of people, the apostles, the A-team, the A-apostles, and united them together in love, it was only God could do that. And you know, when you look at the people that Jesus picked, you have James and John, the sons of Zebedee. You have the zealots that were in there. They were for the nation of Israel. And yet Jesus also picked Matthew Levi, a Roman government employee. I've shared this before, but I can't imagine some of the conversations around the campfires at night with these Jewish zealots mixed with Matthew Levi, a tax collector. He wasn't just a GI guy. He was a tax collector. He was the most hated of all the, the, the Jewish people because they had sold out to the Roman government to tax Jewish people, though they were Jewish themselves. Talk about a traitor. And they were all there in Jesus's camp. Wow. You don't think love was an important ingredient in Jesus's ministry and that Jesus picked people that by nature would have never flocked together. They had such diverse backgrounds with such different ideas. And yet Jesus, in his love, picks people that normally wouldn't be together, but love covers a multitude of sins. And so he says to him, verse 17, love is 
perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You know, there's no fear in love, friends. And you know, if you have been tormented by fear, maybe even this week, maybe you think that somebody doesn't love you or whatever, you're unlovable because of who you are, what you've done. I got great news for you here today. You have a God in heaven that forgives and restores and blesses and heals. And that is what we celebrate here. That's why we can have a family that transcends the diversity of each one of us in that we in Jesus Christ can love one another. He's the common denominator. And it doesn't matter about your past. It's where you're at right now in Jesus. Now notice he says, there is no fear in love. Um... I pray that perfect love casts out that fear that might be in you today. Because if we operate in fear, we're never going to be operating in the fullness of what God wants us to do. Well, I go to church and I do these things because I'm scared. I'm, I, I, God's not going to love me. I've, I'm afraid that, that I'm not good enough. Listen, that's going to torment you. You need to have that relationship where you recognize that just as a father loves his child, so God loves you. Paul says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I stress this so much, probably in every time we're together, because this is what was lost in the garden. It is what is lost in religion, but is found in Christ Jesus where we have been restored to the Father in that father-child relationship. Isn't it? I'm often taken back by this. I'm often just shocked when I realize that the God who made everything. Now, again, if you ever, uh, some guys are probably more like this, but girls are like this too. When you look at something, how well something's made, a dress is made, how everything's fit together, how the colors have to line up, all these different things that go on in, in designing something. God made everything that there is. He created all things. What's beyond the stars? What's inside the atom? All these things. And yet God wants you and me to relate to him as a child does to a father. I'm amazed. I mean, that is really something. That is everything that religion isn't. Religion says, get out and earn it, and you might be good enough. And I tell you, one of the greatest lures in dad's tackle box, Jesus looked at Peter and said, from now on, Peter, you're going to be catching men. I find that Different fish bite on different things. Have you ever noticed that if you've ever been fishing? Sometimes all you need is a really good juicy worm. Sometimes you need one of them lures. You ever see those lures that they advertise on TV? Glows in the dark. You know, and you throw it in the water and the fish goes, hey, there's something you don't see every day, a glowing fish. Let's go eat it. Different fish bite on different things. And you're going to be around a lot of different fish in your life. 
You're going to be around agnostic fish. You're going to be around religious fish. You're going to be around backslidden fish. You're going to be around ignorant fish. You're going to be around real fish. Fish bite on different things. But one of the things I've always found, a great lure in dad's tackle box. And this is something that you can always open a conversation with. If you died today, would you go to heaven? Oh, that's a good lure. I wonder what kind of reaction that, you know, you never know when you're fishing. And you throw the lure in the water, or you throw the worm in the water, you don't know what it's going to happen. I've seen days when I've been out when I was a kid fishing with my dad and we didn't get a bite all day. And then I remember a couple of times we were fishing and as fast as that lure would hit the water or that worm would hit the water, bang, a fish would bite on it. You ever seen that in your life? It's weird how that works. Different techniques for catching different fish too. Uh, fly fishing is completely different than just putting a float on a line and a worm and throw it in the water and you just sit there and read a book or take a nap until you feel the line tug. And I found a lot of fishermen sometimes as they're sitting there in their chair, they'll wrap the line, the fish line, around their finger. And they'll just be, and they'll be just zoned out. Pretty soon they feel that little tug. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Reel it in. Fly fishing's not that way. Fly fishing, you actually become a fish yourself. You go out in the water, and you're doing this with the line, and you whip it out there. Different technique, different lures, all these different things. You're going to be catching fish, Jesus said. In those days, Jesus said it to Peter, they used a big net. They brought in a whole bunch of them at a time. In fact, sometimes they didn't bring anything in at all. Jesus said, caught anything? No, Lord, we've been fishing all night and caught nothing. Jesus said, well, your problem is you're fishing off the wrong side of your boat. That's a pretty uh, radical statement, friends. I think that when Jesus said, let your net down on the other side of the boat, I don't believe they let that net down as, oh, we're so obedient to you, Jesus. I believe they let that net down in total mockery of what Jesus said. We're trained fishermen. You're a rabbi. We know fish. You know the Bible. Okay, we'll let the net down on the other side. This guy fishing off the wrong side of our boat. I've heard all kinds of things. That's like going to a hunter and say, did you get the big buck? No, well, you're using the wrong end of your gun. Okay, let the net down. And they brought in a load so big the nets began to break the first time. Peter's reaction tells me something amazing. He said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. It wasn't, whoa, look at these fish, that's really cool. How'd you do that? Why don't we start a fishing company? Jesus and Peter's, uh, Peter and Jesus, I don't know, you figured the name out. Peter and Jesus' fishing company, and we go, this is great. No, his reaction was, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. I believe he let that net down in complete mockery of what Jesus said. Fishing off the wrong side of your boat, you don't get any fish. Come on. And Peter's reaction was, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said, that's okay. From now on, you're going to be catching men. So you go to somebody that goes to church. All those different kind of fish that are out there. Ask them a question. If you died today, would you go to heaven? 
Great lure. It might even glow in the dark. I don't know. If you died today, would you go to heaven? I, I, I've asked this question hundreds of times. And only a true believer will ever answer it right. But they will say, I have done the best I can. See, that tells me a couple of really bad disconnects. One, they have a religion, not a relationship. Because a religion is always based on your performance. A relationship is based upon who you are. Do you get the difference? One, I'm trying to prove something. Number two, the other, is I am something. That's why this is so important. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.